Hello, and welcome to the Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number nine. I'm Philip Wells, a member at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Alm, Minnesota. Let's begin this week with the Canaan Bound Devotion with Pastor Tom Barthel. Setting out for Canaan. I've always envied those people who share with me their experiences of extended hiking trips or camping adventures. I've done some light hiking and overnight camping, but nothing like the extreme excursions of leaving everything behind for days on end. Leaving everything except what you can carry. Abraham had done something far more extreme earlier in his life. He had left Ur of the Chaldeans on a journey hundreds of miles to get to the land of Haran. They took all they could carry, family, flocks, and possessions. Abram, however, was no poor wandering stranger. He had already been richly blessed by the Lord with many possessions as he lived now in the land of Haran. Yet now, he goes off again, with all he can carry, on a journey. We read from Genesis chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. This journey wasn't an exercise in recreation, nor was it an opportune business trip for Abram. He left Haran just as the Lord told him to and Abram took the journey with his family. This action was an act of faith. It was the beginning of a better opportunity for him to worship the Lord in a new land. This journey was his expression, his fruit of faith in the Lord's word and promises. Ponder his heart. Abram was 75 years old when he left on this leg of his travels. Instead of heading to a comfortable retirement, he was headed into unknown territory. Instead of saying, God, I've got plenty of possessions here in Haran. He looked beyond what he could hold in his hands to the one who gave him all he possessed, the Lord. Abram's journey would be repeated many times by those seeking opportunity to better worship their God. One is reminded of those who left Europe during the 19th century for religious reasons. With Europe's declining religious fervor and increasing persecution by authorities against true worship, The choice became clear for many. Attempts by Frederick William III to unite Lutherans and Calvinists in Prussia caused many Lutherans to head to the Americas. Can you imagine relocating your whole life's work and all of your family, taking everything you can carry and journeying to a new place? Seventy-five, Abram knew he wasn't relocating anything out of the Lord's hands. He didn't ask Which direction would better serve my comforts, better fill my pens and stalls, better line my treasury? Rather, it was, Which direction is the way to better serve my Lord, who gives me everything? What is his will for me? Like Abraham, headed to the land of Canaan, we ask the same question. And we know the answer will always be worth setting out for, living for, as we make our journey through life and remember the promised rest, the rest we have in Jesus. And now a short devotion with Pastor Aaron Nitz. 
meditation for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Where are we going? What are we supposed to be doing? Why am I here? From time to time in our lives, we ask questions like that, don't we? We want to have purpose for our lives. We want to have meaning. We want to know why we're here. It's easy for us to go down the wrong path and think that we're here only to please ourselves or to do everything in life that we want to do or to serve ourselves and so on. But with an attitude like that, we'll soon discover there's always something missing. We've never done enough. There must be something more. God, however, gives incredible purpose for our lives. If God didn't have have work for you to do after he brought you to faith, you'd already be enjoying heaven. The fact that you are alive means God has meaning and purpose for your life. And it's this, to learn his word and share it with others. God has given you an awesome, fulfilling, and eternal purpose for your life. You're here to know Christ as your Savior and to make him known to others in your own way, in your own life, and with your own gifts. Now that's having a joyful and an awesome purpose in life. And that's yours. God's blessings to you. Next up, we have a song by Chris Dresbach, You Are My Righteousness, from his album, Jesus is the Man. The secrets of my heart, my Lord And you know the countless times I wasn't good enough I wasn't strong enough But you made me What I couldn't hold to be You are my righteousness I am your sin I'm declared innocent, outside and in Bearing my guilt, you die You are my righteousness, I am your sin I'm always saying it's not my fault I don't like to take the blame But you carried all the crimes of everyone From every time alone Just like they were all your own You are my righteousness, I am your sin Thank you. 
Now we join Pastor Timothy Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You. Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. We begin with verses 1 and 2. Job's second test. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Once again, we see the angels arranging themselves before God, and now the changes in the scene are so subtle that it's almost impossible to show them in the translation. One thing you might see by comparing chapter 1 with this scene is that here, Satan also presents himself before the Lord, something he did not do before. What was his motive? We would never call it obedience or submission. It certainly wasn't worship. So we're left with the possibility, maybe the probability, that it was done in mockery. The Lord doesn't mention it, though. What God does say here is, where have you come from? The sentence is just a little different from the one in Job 1.7. There God said, me'ayin tabo, from where have you come? Here God says, I mitse tabo, from what spot have you come from? Satan, however, doesn't really answer this question any more than he answered the first one. Here the question is directed at Job's location. Weren't you just with Job in that spot? Let's look at verse 3. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without reason. God keeps up the question about Job. The devil lost his attempt to incite Job to curse God. God praised Job. God triumphs over the devil whenever this happened, as Jesus did in the ultimate triumphal procession when he descended into hell to proclaim his victory on Easter Sunday. We read about that in 1 Peter 3.19. The devil had predicted that Job would rebel, but we're not all like you, Satan. Job kept his faith. God also shows that despite the devil's action and intention, It was God himself who afflicted Job since it was done with God's permission and God used it for his own purpose. Let's look at verses 4 to 6. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. What does Satan know about skin? Everything he knows, he has learned from watching mankind. This knowledge has hinted to him that if Job feared for his life, he would turn on God. Remember that Job never learns about this conversation. It takes place behind the scenes. But God is confident about his servant. He only puts this caution on the devil. He can threaten Job's life so that Job will think he is about to die, but he cannot actually kill Job. God sets limits on all things. The way he himself tells us he has set limits on the seas, saying, as he does in Job 38, This far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores 
from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Satan sent Job a disease, a uh, bad boils that it's not possible to diagnose from the symptoms in a book, although we have quite a bit of information. Most physicians are agreed that Job could have suffered from more than one malady. His symptoms include these things. Bad boils, we see that in 2.7. Disfiguration in 2.12, his friends could hardly recognize him. He has oozing sores that scab over in 7.5. His sores are infected with worms in, also in 7.5. He has red and swollen eyes, partly from weeping in 16.16. He has chills or trembling and fever in 21.6 and in, verse, in chapter 30, verse 30. He has darkening and peeling skin, also in 30.30. This is associated with fever. He has sleeplessness in 7.4. He has delirium and terrible nightmares in 7, verses 13 and 14. He has diarrhea, probably what's meant by never stopping churning inside me, as he says in 30.27. He might have had choking in 7.15, although that might be disputed as a symptom his bad breath in, in 1917, perhaps one of Job's most famous symptoms. He was also, um, uh, he says in 1920, nothing but skin and bones. He's emaciated. And finally, in 3017, he says that he suffered from excruciating pain in his bones. That's a lot of symptoms. Verse 8. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Anyone who has had an extremely bad rash knows that scratching open the boils, not recommended by doctors, by the way, can give a small amount of relief from their terrible itching. Something else we see here is that Job was not sitting in a city gate as he once had done. He had rescued people when they needed help, and now he was sitting in ashes, the owner of nothing at all, and he could not even, as Thomas Aquinas once said, afford suitable cures for himself. The only thing Job had left was his marriage. And the devil was about to attack that too. Let's pray. Lord God, preserve us and our loved ones from the attacks of the devil. Strengthen our health. Strengthen our marriages. Strengthen the faith of our children. Teach us to look to you always for everything we need. Send your holy angels to protect us and our loved ones from the power of the devil. And uh, look after all of our loved ones tonight. Amen. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. Next up, we have a reading from the Wells Mission Blog. More than 60 people gathered to celebrate Christmas in the Korean language at St. Peter Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This was the first service that was almost entirely in their language, Korean. Pastor Martin Schell, with the help of several different people, planned and organized it. One of our newest Karen members was able to find a copy of the Lord's Prayer and Apostles' Creed in Karen, in addition to some well-loved Christmas carols, such as the Karen versions of Silent Night and Joy to the World. Then Pastor went to work writing a Christmas sermon message and prayer and assembling all the pieces into the basic service format. When the special night arrived, he spoke, sentence by sentence, pausing after each for translation. The interpreter led the Lord's Prayer as well as the Apostles' Creed as the Karen people all read along. What a special day to hear all their voices reading out together in their own language. As we walked out, one beaming Karen lady commented, 
It's the first time I sing my Christmas songs with the piano. The Karen people, refugees from Thailand and Burma, have been with us for a number of years already, coming both to our church and to the English as a second language class. Usually they worship with us on Sunday in the English service, with the only translation being the Bible readings from the Karen Bible. The language barrier has been and continues to be challenging, but fortunately God has blessed us with several bilingual people who will be able to facilitate communication between all of us. We rely heavily on these few people not only for general communication but also for Bible studies on Sunday mornings. These studies, by the grace of God, have been happening for more than two and a half years. During the week, there are English as a second language class run by several members of the congregation, as well as a couple of people from neighboring Wells congregations. These classes have been and continue to be an important part of our outreach ministry. We pray for God's continued blessings on all of us as we work together in His kingdom to bring the joyous message of forgiveness, peace, and eternal life in Jesus to those who still live in darkness. This mission blog was shared by Rachel Bushkoff, who serves as an English as a second language teacher at St. Peter in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Rachel writes about cross-cultural ministry work among the current people living in her community. You can find this blog on wells.net slash missions. Our closing song today is Now Rest Beneath Night's Shadow by Koine. Now rest beneath night's shadow The woodland field and Praise to your Thou dost love 
Again, we would like to thank Koine and Chris Dresbach for providing music for this episode. All music featured in this episode is copyrighted and shared by permission. Please consider making a donation to a featured artist or ministry to support them and mention your appreciation for this podcast. You have been listening to episode 9 of the Canaan Bound podcast. This podcast was first shared in February of 2013. Visit Canaan Bound Podcast to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and the artists featured on this podcast. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening. Uh-huh.